You're listening to Chris Scott on FM 105, Down Community Radio. Broadcasting live across Down Patrick and beyond. You're listening to your local station. This is FM 105. Starting off tonight's programme, it's Human by the Killers from, what, 2008? Yeah, that sets the scene for tonight's programme. Bit of a corny link, but I am chatting to a newly published author who resides in Guelph in Ontario. But he was born here, right here in Northern Ireland, and specifically over in Portadown. Stephen Briggs will be talking to me at length about how a concussion led to putting pen on paper. Yeah, and that culminated in a book titled Family of Killers. Memoirs of an Assassin, released in mid-January and past there. The uh, book is set on both sides of the Atlantic. A father freelances for British intelligence and, well, I'll let you listen in to Stephen and he'll fill us in on the rest of that story. So, joining Stephen after this one, stay tuned, folks. Chatting with Chris on FM 105 Down Community Radio. Your station, your voice. Number 11 hit 1985, first charted over 37 years ago. That makes you feel old. Brian Adams, of course, and run to you. Why have we played a Canadian on the show tonight? Because we're winging our way, what, 3,300 miles southwest of, of where we are tonight. And we're going to a place that's no strange place on this show, because we've had someone from this... Uh, I'm not going to say a village because Guelph's not a village. So we're going to Guelph in Ontario and we're talking to Stephen Briggs, who is a, an author of a new book which, which came out last month, uh, Family of Killers and Memoirs of an Assassin, released on the 13th of January. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's it's, uh, it's 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 a great opportunity. Appreciate the, uh, you taking the time to talk to me. Absolutely no problem at all. And and, and we can detect from your accent that you're, you're purely Canadian, but you're maybe not because I believe you're from Portadown originally. I am. I was uh, born in Portadown. I was. I lived in Portadown until I was six years old. We moved to Canada when in 1976. So I have spent most of my life here in Canada, but I still call Portadown home. Um, my parents still call it over home. So it's one of those things where it's it's funny when I talk to friends and stuff. I'll talk about over home here in Canada, and they think. Guelph, like you, you know, what are you talking about? It's like, no, Portadown. That's that's my home. That's where my heart is, kind of thing. Um, all my family, or the the only family we have in Canada is I have an aunt and uncle that live in Hamilton. Everyone else is still back home. All my cousins, second cousins, family. So uh, yeah, that's definitely uh, still got a big place for us. Um, it's one of those things I have. I, I wanted to bring my children back home to to meet my family and see where I was born and stuff. I haven't had that opportunity yet, but uh, hopefully soon we'll get that chance. Um, because I got a couple cousins that I've never actually met. Because the last time I was back home was in the early to mid nineties. I can't remember exactly what year. Ninety ninety two maybe mm-hmm. ninety three. So I'm sure Porter Downs definitely changed since then. Oh, I would say um, so. <laughs> But I still, I could probably still get to my grandmother's house if you drop me off downtown, Porter Down. Yeah. Um, that's one place that holds a, you know, has a lot of good memories there. So uh, yeah, so I am Canadian, but definitely born in Porter Down, and uh, that's that's where my heart is. <laughs> so do you do you remember Porter Down up until? I, I mean, I think my earliest memories. I I came from Lisburn, not up far away, but you know. Maybe I can remember things about five years of age, so seven years of age for you, and then a, I'm not saying a traumatic move, but you're moving to the other side of the world. Can you remember much about that? So I, 
I uh, I can remember every day going to school. Like yeah. I can remember going to school and going to my nanny's house um, after school. She would take care of me. She always had an orange pop ready for me. And we watched. I can't remember. I, I remember we would sit and watch a kids show, and it had puppets and stuff. I can't remember what it was called, but I do remember sitting in nanny's in the living room watching that show after school. I still have my school tie. Um, wow. Because we wore uniforms, obviously, right? We. There's yeah. no uniforms in Canada, but but I still have my school time. My mom kept that. Um, I do remember getting on the 747 um, and getting my pilot's wings from British Airways and getting to go up to the cockpit. And uh, I remember us stepping off the plane, meeting an old, old friend of my dad's. He hadn't seen him since like the 60s, but that was the only contact we had with Canada. And it being very cold because we moved to Canada in October. Um my parents had no, they had never been to Canada. They'd never, I always joke, the only thing my parents learned about from Canada was Monty Python um, skits <laughs> kind of thing. That was, they had, they just wanted to get me and my sister out of the troubles and, 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 and out of, out of Portland, Northern Ireland, really, because of all the troubles and stuff. So in 1976, we packed up, I guess, when I talked to my parents, it was either Australia or Canada, and Canada accepted us first. My dad was a tool and die maker, and they needed tradesmen, so wow. here we are. That's amazing. Right now, there's about a foot and a half of snow outside my window, so Australia <laughs> probably would have been a better uh, choice, but what do you do? You know, if that happened in Porto Down, or it, we have a, a, a centimeter of snow here, we lock down. You know, we can't go to work. <laughs> you guys, it's a totally no, different we, world, uh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, totally yeah, different. Yeah, it's... it's it's just something you get used to, right? Like shoveling the driveway, you know, yeah. snow tires go on in the end of October and you deal with it. It sucks, but you appreciate the summers a lot more too. So when mom and dad landed there, was Guelph, was that where you actually settled initially? Uh, yeah, so you've always been in Guelph then? Yeah, um, same thing. I don't know why my parents picked Guelph, except for just they knew they knew this. They, my dad had this one friend he used to play football with when they were growing up, and they kind of wrote back and forth. So Guelph is where we went, and Guelph is where we stayed. So we're going to fast forward. We'll maybe come back again, but we're going to fast forward to today. And, and you are an author now. You know, an author? <laughs> wow. Where does that come from, Stephen? Do you, you know, what about school? Were you, were you a good writer at school? Were you, you know, where, where, where does all that come from? So in school, I always enjoyed creative writing. Um, I've always been one for telling a good story, true or not kind of thing. <laughs> um, I can always, when we go camping, I'm always one for a good, like, book. I can get a big Bigfoot story going or a UFO story going. So I like a little bit of conspiracy stuff. Um so years ago I started into martial arts and uh, I, I just I've been doing I did a lot of training. Uh, I worked I trained with UFC fighters. I, I trained um, at a local dojo in Guelph with a world champion karate fighter, points fighter and stuff. Um, never really wrote, never did a whole lot of writing once I got out of school and stuff. I, I would jot little things down, do a little journaling here and there. But I was always busy, you know, with the kids with you know, hobbies like martial arts, biking, stuff like that. So life always just got away. You never actually took the time to sit down. So um, it was one night, I believe it was a Tuesday night. Uh, me and we were training. And my The guy I was training with was training for a world championship. I was training for the Canadian championships. And uh, I guess you could say I zigged when I should have zagged. And I stepped in and I took his shin full on on the side of my head, just above my temple. Um, I actually put a small crack in my skull. 
and uh, really bad concussion. I lived three kilometers away from the dojo that we trained at, and I couldn't remember how to get home. It's literally wow. four turns. Like wow. if you were to, if you were to drive it, it's four turns out of the out of the parking mm-hmm. lot. Couldn't remember to get home. I had to. I, luckily, I was able to get the the car map system to uh, to get me home. Got home. Wasn't feeling the greatest. Was was sick to my stomach and stuff. Went to bed. Never thought anything of it. Didn't have supper or anything. Just went to bed because we, we were training. I was working during the day and then training four hours at night. Like we were hardcore training kind of thing. Like I said, it opened a few doors because I got to meet a few and inter- very interesting people. Um, but yeah, so got home that night. Got up the next morning. I went into work and I, I was sitting at my computer. And my partner, who shares shared an office beside me, he looked at the computer. He goes, "You're not going to turn your computer on today?" And I said to him, "I said." What are you talking about? This thing's like glowing like the sun in my eyes right now. I had I had the screen turned down that he couldn't see that the screen was on. But to me, I might as well be staring right at the sun. Um, had a real bad headache and a few other issues. So we got talking and, and I just wasn't feeling right. I was having all kinds of strange thoughts and stuff. So got home that night hmm. and uh, called the doctor up, made a couple doctor's appointments. I had MRIs done on my head and stuff. And there was a bit of swelling, a bit of bleeding, all kinds of bad things that uh, concussions bring with with you know along right um still have some issues with memory i uh i'm brutal for remembering people's names i can meet somebody i know people like i've known people like most of my life and i can be sitting in front of them and i i can't remember their name and then it comes back to me you know 10 minutes later but i'll know somebody that i grew up with i'll just sit there and be staring at them having a conversation but in really, in my mind, my mind's just spinning. I'm not listening. I'm trying to figure out what's their name. And I've known them for 20 years. So that's probably the biggest ish, bad negative thing. Um, on the positive side, I've become an author. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Every minus um, is you know a plus. You yeah. These, yeah. You hear these weird stories about people, you know, getting concussions and being able to speak a different language mm-hmm. or whatever it is, be, you know, be able to play classical piano, but they'd never sat down in front of a piano before. For me, I, like I said, I enjoyed writing before when I was in school and stuff and in college, but never followed through with it. Um, I did a lot of, I did a bunch of, I had a bunch of tests done and a bit of, you know, therapy and stuff through medical, the medical practice. Mm-hmm. And about six months later, this character's just started talking to me in my head almost it's it's probably the best way to explain it it, it I, I just started to get to know this character this kid that was born in Porter down that became an international assassin kind of thing um so i started writing i i, I would get up saturday mornings at four o'clock in the morning and just i would have these dreams i would have these i'd wake up and write little jot little notes down you know so i started putting some thoughts down to paper and uh I'd get up at 4, 4.30 in the morning. I would type away on my laptop until my wife got up, and then i kind of cl- close the laptop because I didn't. I was kind of embarrassed by the whole thing. <laughs> um, so on weekends, I would, I would open it up and type away, and I, you know, I think I had about three chapters done, and finally my wife came down to one morning. She says, what's going on? I said, what do you mean? She goes, what are you doing? Why are you getting up at 4? Like, I think in her mind, maybe I was having I, an affair or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And <laughs> uh, I said to her, I said, okay, I said, this is weird, but I'm going to go make breakfast. You can sit and read this. So she sat and read it, and I made breakfast, and I sat down, and she goes, what is this? I said, I don't know what it is, but I think it's a book. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the first three chapters. So 
it was kind of nice because at that point it wasn't hidden anymore. I could kind of sit and write during the day instead of getting up at four in the morning <laughs> to do that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it took, it took two years to do it because it was one of those things where it wasn't really, it wasn't really one of those things that I thought it was going to go anywhere. It was talking to my doctor and stuff. It was more or less, he, he looked at it as a therapy. He goes, you know what? This is good. Just if this is helping your, you with the concussion, you know, the, the, the side effects of the concussion, just keep writing away. Right. So I kept writing and next thing you know, I had a hundred, like 170,000 words written down stories galore. Like I've, I'm thinking of like in the future of writing just a bunch of short stories kind of thing. Because right. Okay. Yeah. I've yeah. got so many that I didn't add into the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I won't. So then I got to 170. So I started kind of cutting it down to get it down to, I started looking at that point, like what does, what does a thriller book entail, you know, what entail and stuff. Um, so I got it down to about a hundred thousand words uh, this time last year. I sent it out to a few friends cause I, I hadn't told anybody except for my wife at that point and my kids. So then I started handing it out to some friends and saying, just give it a read and see what you think. Um, excuse me. I made some, made some changes and stuff and you know, it's not perfect. It's definitely, it's not like it's, it's your first book. So it's, it's mm-hmm. a good story and stuff. Um, so this time last year, I guess, yeah, roughly around this time last year, it was Super Bowl Sunday. I started sending query letters out to publishers and stuff because I, I had no intention of it ever being published or anything, but you know, I thought, okay, well maybe, maybe this needs to go somewhere. Mm. So uh, about a month later, I got a letter back from my publisher, Black Rose writing uh, with a contract. So <laughs> I remember waking up, that was a wow. Sunday morning. I woke up about five and I'm looking at my phone and of course I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 50 and I can barely see my phone on a good day. This is five in the morning and I'm looking at it and I'm seeing this email from them and I think it says contract. So I'm kind of hitting my wife, but wake up, wake up. What does my <laughs> phone say? And she goes, what do you mean? I said, what does this email, what's the title of the email? She goes, it says contract. So jumped up, grabbed my, my glasses from the table downstairs. And sure enough, there was a contract from Black Rose um, writing crazy like like i said this is this is about a three-year process yeah and to think that here i am sitting talking to you as a published author is insane but you know once i got that done i you know i uh i worked on i had no idea like you, you talk to other authors and they kind of know the process i yes. had no idea <laughs> yeah. what i was doing <laughs> all i know is i now had a deadline that yeah. the publisher wanted my final copy and i didn't know what even a final copy meant at that point so um, I cleaned it up the best I could. I, I, I did what I could with the book and, and sent it into them, and they were happy with it. Um, they said, great story. Do you have more? And I was like, okay. Wow. So I got writing. I got that one cleaned up. The one thing you, one thing you learn about an author, as an author, being an author is the writing the book is the easy thing. It's all the stuff you have to do afterwards. Yeah. The publisher, all the – That's right. That's great, right. It's crazy. Yeah, and I wasn't expecting any of that. So, um, so I dealt with that stuff. I got writing on the second book. I spent the summer writing that one. Like I said, the first book took me almost three years. This book took me six months. So I had the second book sent into the publish there. They go, great, you got another one. <laughs> so <laughs> that is fascinating. Chatting with Chris on FM one hundred and five Down Community Radio, your station, your voice. 
If you just tuned in, you're listening to Chris Scott on FM 105 Down Community Radio. And I've been in conversation with Stephen Briggs, an author uh, who was born here in Portadown and lived most of his life in Ontario. In fact, in Guelph, Ontario. We're back with Stephen after this one. This one's Bruce Springsteen and Dancing in the Dark with the lyric sitting around here trying to write this book. Of course, that's not so in the case of Stephen Briggs. So he's going to join me again when the boss is finished. Chatting with Chris on FM 105 Down Community Radio. Your station, your voice. The first book, like I said, it, it's it's titled Family Killers, Memoirs of an Assassin. Um, so it kind of is a memoir. It starts in 1977 with this kid, David, born and raised in Portadown. His dad's in a little bit of the, you know, his, his grandfather was SAS in World War II and, and um, met... Met, uh, met another man from Guelph, and they kind of partnered up and became this elite, you know, underworld of, of, uh, of, of an organization. Um, British government used them, and, and you know, the, the CIA uses them for jobs and stuff. So that's the kind of the background on, on how David, the, the main character, gets into this family. So his father then worked with his, with, with his father um, through the 70s and stuff. So the way the book begins is David's pulled out of his bed because uh they need to get they need to get out of there um his father was on a job for the british government to take out an ira bomb maker and gets identified on the job so uh there's a bounty put on his head and stuff so he's he's pulling the family this is the second time but in the book this is the first this is the this is the beginning of the book but there's the backstory of this is actually the second time they've had to move he's had to move to canada but um so so david's got his younger sister his mom and dad and they all go hide at the shop where his grandfather runs the gun gun weapon weapon sales and stuff they get him to guelph he works with he moves in with the partner in guelph um who has a son david's age uh the main character's age so they kind of grew up together in the business they do martial arts together they they learn how to shoot guns they learn how to wield a knife kind of thing um so the story starts there with 1977 it kind of progresses quickly through the 80s to where david david goes out and, and starts coming back to northern ireland and working with his grandfather learning the tricks of the trade on how to be an assassin there's a bunch of little little like obviously there's 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 hits on the ira there's there's hits on the udr um stuff like that so just because the in the in the book you'll read that it's, it's a protestant family but it's all about money so if you need to take out a couple protestant guys that uh you know weren't kind of towing the the, the proper line they would take them out as well as an ira guy um and then as david progresses he becomes a teenager grows you know becomes into his eight you know 18th birthday and stuff he starts working on his own um he does a couple hits for the cia um a few things happen in the background that kind of mold the story to where it goes to the ending mm-hmm. and then uh the book ends in 2011 um with david kind of getting getting revenge on a couple of fellows that I've got the weave throughout the book where these guys have kind of interfered with the family, whether it's the family business or the family personally throughout the years kind of thing. And it ends with, um, with David finally getting to meet them face to face. So mm-hmm. that book, like I said, spans from 77 to 2011. Um, I really skip over the, the 1990s, but it, throughout the book, I try to hit on, um, I try to hit on some historical, uh, 
I, you know, items and stuff just to kind of bring a little bit of realism to the to the book as well so there is you know there's there's talk of like londonary um, yes. bombing there there's talk of the oklahoma bombing um in in the states back in the mid 90s but i really skip over the 90s and um put a little caveat in before the beginning of part three where it talks about how the 1990s is where the, the family really made their name and stuff so book two um the second book it's called Lies Lead to, to Death. Um, it kind of starts in 1990, right after a big, big, uh, big moment in the family's history. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of tightened up to about a year, year and a half of, of the family's life, David's life and stuff. So it's, like I said, <laughs> it, for me, it's strange because yeah. I had no idea that this character was inside of me, but uh, <laughs> I've grown to like him. Um, obviously, reading the book and stuff, you have to kind of cheer for the bad guys, but hey, it's a little yeah. different than some other books, right? That is fascinating. Now, you take a, a blow to the head, right? And all this <clears throat> starts to evolve. So, over a couple of years. You just, you know, you left Portadown at a very early age and you, you still contacts there and family and so on. Did you use a lot of local um, place names and, and, and background and, 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 you know, sort of dabbling into the history of... You mentioned some organisations there as well, which, you know, we, we're all fully aware of all those three-letter brigades right across this province and, and sometimes exactly. expand into four-letter brigades. But, you, you, you know, how much research did you have to do then uh, to formulate all that? Um, honestly, a lot of the research came from listening to my dad and my uncle talk. Wow. When my, you know, like, because they, they, they grew up in that time frame, right? Like, if, if you yeah. look at the, as crazy as it sounds, but if you look at the character, he's about the same age as me, and so that would make the parent, like, his dad, James, the same age as my dad and stuff, and, and my good, my dad grew up, like, in the troubles and stuff, and my uncle did, too, and, and you know, so so when my uncle, aunt, my aunt and uncle would come out and visit and stuff, they would sit and talk about just some of the stuff they'd seen, mm. um, some of the, you know, some of the stories they heard from other people and stuff, so I kind of, I guess I locked that away somewhere in my brain and it started coming out with the character as well. Right. So there's a few little funny quirky things that, you know, I remember my dad telling me um, about, uh, you know, that I kind of tried to add in there, but Mm. historically like the research wise. Yeah. Like I, like, um, for Porter Down and stuff, I, I I sent it all. I sent the I sent the book when it was done, like the manuscript when it was done to my aunt and uncle. I said, "Hey, can you just make sure these streets make sense? Like, if if he was escaping and they were driving through town, are these the streets they yeah. would go?" Yeah. Um, Helen's Bay, that's one of the places where they jump on a boat to head to England, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, I, and I remember as a kid, we would go. Like, I remember when we'd go over and visit my aunt and uncle had a caravan at in Hel- is it Helen Bay or Helen's Point? I can't remember. Helen's there, yeah, Helen's Bay would be on the uh, County Down coast, not that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. So, that's right. So, yeah, so they had uh, they had a, they had a caravan there, and I can I can remember like, we have photos of like playing football and, and stuff like that in the field. So, little things like that from even from my childhood, I tried to bring in, incorporate. I did the same with the second book. I did the same with Guelph too, right? So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. when I, when when you know when the family moved to Guelph, I tried to incorporate some of the the stuff in the city, like Guelph. <laughs> As strange as it sounds, Guelph kind of is a, is a bit of a was a bit of a mob city. Oh, um, okay. Historically, back in the '30s, this is this is the the story, and I pretty much say it much of it is true as like as as I believe anyway. But back in the '30s, when you had Capone and stuff in Chicago, they needed somewhere to hide, so they the one the one guy moved um, 
his son, who's a plumber, and his other son, who's a butcher, moved him up to Guelph, and that started a plumbing wholesale company and also a butchery. And they, so if you, if in Guelph, there's a big Italian presence in Guelph and stuff. And it's kind of funny because I grew up with some friends that, you know, but, um, that's the other thing too, is the, the family in Guelph in the book, they kind of, the legitimate business they run is a plumbing, wholesale plumbing, um, service company. I'm a licensed plumber. So I'm able to get those little, right, okay. you know, all, like yeah, you said, the research. Yeah, yeah. So they run this plumbing wholesale company in the up and up, but they also then in the underground, they're selling, they're selling weapons. They're, they're doing hits for, for governments. Um, they're hiding people, they're doing forgeries, all that stuff. Right. So it's, it's kind of one of those things where mob, the mob meets Ireland in a way. Right. So yeah, you, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, and so the company, <laughs> so the family in, in Canada, like I said, that's all the businesses they run while hiding it underneath the, the, the you know, the, as a plumbing company. And then in Portadown, the, the one brother stays, so Scott, James's brother, David's uncle stays with the grandfather, and they run a machine shop, but they also build submachine guns there. And actually, Northern Ireland used to build a lot of submachine guns that we used, you know, you would see in the 70s and 80s. They were actually built right in Northern Ireland. So I was able to, I, that was just a quirky little thing I found mm -hmm. me doing some research about weapons and stuff in Northern Ireland. Mm -hmm. And I thought, perfect. Why wouldn't they be the company then that builds and sells the weapons to not only the British side, but also the, the you know, Southern Ireland stuff mm -hmm. too? So, mm -hmm. not only are they shipping weapons <laughs> to Belfast, but they're shipping them to Dublin too, because you work both sides to make money, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, That's as, as they're working for the British government to, to do hits and stuff as well. So, it, yeah, it, it's, I, I try to, I tried to be as honest as I could with, with, with the history of Northern Ireland um, and the troubles and stuff, but also bringing this family in and showing that they maybe did a little bit of ma manipulation and helped me in a way, maybe even help the British government continue the troubles to profit. Wow. What a plot. So, Whoa. Don't give any yeah, more of it away. Yeah. I might be reading the book. No. <laughs> See, well, that, yeah. that, that, that's so amazing. There's a lot more details to the book. You're listening to Chris Scott on FM 105, Down Community Radio. Yeah, I was going to ask you just just before you continue, you, you, your your friends in in Guelph, you know, what are they thinking about Northern Ireland? Really, you know, those people who have no knowledge really of us. It's funny because growing up, if you told people you're from Northern Ireland, the first thing they said is, "Oh, the troubles," mm. right? And then mm. they say they would say like, "Oh, do you know anybody that was ever killed, or do you know anyone that was involved in it and stuff?" And it's like, you know, it's it's like anything on the news, you see the worst of anything, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. You, you don't like, and you, so I would try to explain them. Northern Ireland is actually a beautiful <laughs> country. Like, there's a lot to see, there's a lot to do. It's not like you're not dodging bullets the minute you get out of your car. But I will say, I do remember going back home in 78, I think it was, and every morning my dad climbed getting out, and the first thing he did before he got in the car was roll underneath the car and take a look under it. And I used to say to him, Dad, do you even know what you're looking for? Right? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Right? But he would, he would always, he goes, oh, you got to look. I will say we did have a friend in Portadown get blown up while we were home that year um, in a car bomb. He was ex-police, kind of retired police, and, and he was... He, yeah, that that still sits with me too. Yes. Um, I, I grew up in the Salvation Army, and he actually gave me his Bible and stuff the night before he was blown up, which was kind of crazy. Mm, but okay. yeah, yeah, that's not. There's nothing like that in the book. I didn't include anything like that in the book. Yeah. But um, 
yeah, so so I can't say that I was actually touched by the troubles back home, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> yeah, I can I can remember my dad rolling up under the car, and like I would just say to him, Dad, like what are you what are you even looking for? Would you know what you're looking for? And he was just, oh yeah, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. And then we get the car, right? It's like okay, it's, it's, um, it was the next door so neighbor's like, cat. That's what it was. It was the cat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what he would be looking for. Yeah. So, yeah. and my uncle would make fun of him too, right? So he would say to him too, you, you know, he'd go like, "Brian, what are you doing?" Like, <laughs> you know, you wouldn't know if there was a, a fifth wheel under there, kind of thing. So, so little things like that that you know, I don't know why my dad did it, but we all kind of laughed and, and joked about it, you know, while it was happening. But yeah, like like so, friends over here in Canada, they they never understand. They don't understand. Like like, there's nothing going on here. Like like, we're lucky to go. Like growing up in Canada as opposed to Northern Ireland, it's it's definitely two different things, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to worry about like a mall being blown up or whatever if you, as you're inside it and stuff. Um, there's other things going on in Canada that you know. You, it's not a perfect place to live for sure but um yeah my friends growing up would always ask like hey did you ever hold a gun hey have you ever done this it's like hey, you know like always like no. like any any young teenage boys like oh yeah oh yeah sure <laughs> you know what i mean like you would give them the story of like oh, yeah God, there's a storytelling in you again experience yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and like yeah. i said i'm a very good storyteller i, I could make a story up yeah. Like, you know, like my yeah. mom would always say, I could, you know, I, I could lie like the best thing to get myself out of trouble. So, yeah. Um, I, like I said, my, my, my parents always said that they moved us to Canada to get us away from the troubles and stuff. They didn't want us being raised in it. And, 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 you know, so I got to appreciate that. Like I said, Australia would have been a better option because it's today it was, well, today it was minus 10. Celsius, and like I said, we've got almost two feet of snow outside the window, so I don't think Australia gets those temperatures. (laughs) No, it does not, Stephen. Can I ask, are are your parents still with with you then, or? or, um... Uh, My dad passed away last year, um, which, yeah, he he passed away of dementia. My mom's still around, my mom's still alive. Um, I I got one photo of my dad actually just holding the, the raw manuscript, which kind oh, of is yes. precious to me. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I put in, in the dedication. I mentioned him in the dedication to the book yeah, and stuff. Uh, I wish he was still here. Like obviously, yeah, anybody yeah. wishes your parents were still here. Um, I miss him, but um, I kind of feel like he's helped guide this thing too. Because, like I said, it took off once he passed away. It took off, and, and like yeah. to, to to pick up a publisher within a month and stuff is is, is pretty. Wouldn't say it. Maybe it is rare. I don't know. Like I'm, I feel like I'm blessed that way, kind of thing in a way. So it's it's uh, yeah. I do miss him, and, and you know, it'd be better if he was here to actually hold the hold the book and get a photo with it. But I know he's I know he's looking over us. I guess mom's really proud of you, though. You know the. Mm-hmm. You know that that's it's, yeah. it's it's an amazing story. You know how that's all come about. But you, you're saying there about publishers, and that's very interesting. How quickly you did get the contract. You're right. A lot of people seem to go for like self-publishing, and you're actually paying the publisher. But that's not that's not in your case. You haven't parted with any money no. at all, Stephen. It's they 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 have taken that on themselves, and they'll do their promotion, yeah. and they 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 will assist with that. Yeah, that's 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 yeah, quite a good been- deal. Yeah, they've been great. Like I remember the day that they um, sent me the covers. So they asked they asked for some ideas on, on like what I want for the cover. Um, so I actually have part of the. There's one chapter where the grandfather takes David down to Belfast 
to a knife making store kind of thing. And I even <laughs> throw a little caveat in there saying that um, rumor is that this is where Jack the Ripper got all his knives kind of thing, you know, a little, little thing like that. Right. Um, so, so I kind of gave, so, so I, I, I wrote a real nice description of this knife because that's what, that's what they use. Like the, the, the whole motto of the family is we don't use guns because they're impersonable, right? You want to be up close, use the knife. You want to make sure the person's dead because you know, anyone can take five or six shots, you know, bullets and still survive it. Right. So, so the motto of the family is you use the knife, you're up close, you know, you, you know, you've completed the job. So the, 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 the knife is a big thing for, for them. So uh, I, I sent that to the publisher and said, okay, on page, I can't remember what page it was, but on page, whatever, there's a description of the knife. I'd really like the knife to be the center point of the, um, of the cover. So it was a month later, I got this email back from them going, you know, let us know what you think, you know, if there's any changes, whatever, we'll, you know, change it. I, I remember just opening up the, 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 the shot of, of the cover and just went, like, oh, you guys, like, this is exactly what I was thinking. Um, it blew me away. I couldn't, I, like, I'm so proud of the cover. Uh, so they've been great. The publisher has been great for stuff like that. Uh, the promotion stuff, I do a lot myself. Like I reach out, like I, like I reached out to you. I, mm-hmm. I, I quite enjoy talking as you can probably tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I've been reaching out to podcasts, the radio shows and stuff and, and doing a lot of self promotion too. Cause, um, the public, the, the one thing they say about publishing is the publisher will definitely publish the book, but as an author, you want to, you want to, you want to present yourself too. Right. Because, um, I hope to have a long, like I've got my second book through, through Black Rose writing as well, kind of thing. So you hope to have that long relationship, but there's no guarantee that, the, you know, your next book's not going to be published by somebody else. So, so mm. it's one of those things where everybody knows Stephen King, but they might not be able to name his books. And that, that's, that's what was told to me too, is you mm-hmm. want your name out there. You know, like I want Stephen W. Briggs out there. You won't, you know, because that's where people are going to follow. They're not going to, you know, they're going to follow your books too, but you know, it's your name that they're going to know. And so, right. you know, Stephen King's a very good example of that. Yeah, Everyone yeah, yeah. knows the name, Absolutely. but you know, you might not be able to name all, you know, a handful of his books even. Right. Yeah. So yeah. the publish, but the publisher has been great. They, they've been very helpful. Um, after I signed the contract with them, I actually had a couple of those hybrid contracts sent to me, um, where, you know, you split it, like they ask for, they ask for a certain amount of money yes, that's right. that you pay them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, Black Rose isn't like that. They, they foot the bill. They, they, they cover the, all that for you. Um, right. and it's, it's a partnership, right? So, so as much as they do work for me, you know, they, they kind of expect me to do my own publicity as well too, to get the name out there because, at the end of the day, selling books is, is, is what we're both, you know, into. Um, like I said, it's one of those things where I never thought I'd be sitting saying that to anybody. <laughs> and yeah. once, since the book's been released, I've had a bunch of interviews and you're sitting here going like, I can't believe I'm being interviewed as an author. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, 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 it is brilliant. It, will you, will, will yeah. it go electronic as well then? Is there any, I suppose Kindle is probably still in at the minute and you know, is, is it, is it available on, on those, those platforms? Yeah. So over, over in England, like over in Britain and stuff, Amazon, what is it? .co.uk is probably the easiest place to get it. It's on Kindle. It's also in book form. Um, and then, you know, Barnes, like, of course, in the States and in a lot more places, because my, my publisher is an American publisher. Um, but let's face it, you can buy anything on Amazon these days. And mm. that's probably the easiest place to buy my book. Um, in Guelph here, 
we have the local bookstore, the um, the independent bookstore. So my, I dropped some books off to them, which is kind of cool. Getting my photo in, in there. Who knows, maybe if I get home next year or whatever, I can bring some books home and drop them off at an independent bookstore and, and port her down too and get some brilliant. photos, that'll which be, would be cool. That'll be brilliant. Because um, like I said, there is... There is a lot tied to Porter Down in the book. Mm-hmm. Just as much as say it's about fifty fifty between Porter Down and Guelph. Yeah. Um and like I said, that that's where the the family's based out of both cities kind of thing. So it's kinda of, like I said, it's kinda of cool that I'm able to incorporate both where mm-hmm. I live. At one point I thought about using different ones and I thought, you know what? No. That's that's I'm I'm proud to be from Porter Down, I'm proud to live in Guelph. Why not, you know, use use the cities I know, because then when I do use landmarks and stuff, I can actually say I touched them, I was there kind of thing. Um, like I said, even when I described the plumbing wholesale, the, the, the whole building, there's kind of an old plumbing wholesale place that I used to go to when I was apprenticing. And that's kind of what was in my head when I'm describing it, describing the loading dock and all the multicolored toilets and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like they used to have all that old <laughs> stuff laid out. That's so hilarious. it's kind of cool to be able to, to put those real life things to it because if you're reading it in Porter Down or if you're reading it in Guelph or in the areas kind of thing, you can kind of say, Oh, I, I remember driving by that. Or I remember I've been to that restaurant or whatever kind of thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. And it, like I said, it's a little bit of a, a shout out to, to, to where I was born and I'm, you know, I'm proud to be from Northern Ireland. I don't mm-hmm. ever try to hide that from anybody. So yeah. it's one of those things where if I can incorporate Porter Down into it, because at first it was just going to be like the, the family left and kind of went away from Porter Down. But then I thought, no, 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 let's, let's, let's bring him back. So he comes back and does a lot of his training in Porter Down. They do, they do jobs and like I said, there, there's, you know, they, they do some jobs down in Dublin, they do, you know, and I'm sitting there on Google Maps kind of researching, well, what roads would they take if they didn't want to, if they didn't want to take, was it the M1? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. what back roads would they take? So there's a few little, like, you know, those little, those little spot, like back roads that, you know, mm-hmm. Google was able to mark and was able to kind of research to make sure that you were actually there in the 80s or, or mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I tried to be as true to both region as regions as i could um there's there's one chapter that takes place in washington dc same thing i've been there a few times so i was able to actually talk about what i know of yeah 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 yeah, you know so so it just seems more real instead of just kind of you know sometimes things aren't aren't as as true to to the to the to the area as as the the story might lend to right so i tried to keep everything as real so what about book four set in the caribbean and say spain and telling your other half you need to go and research it (laughs) exactly (laughs) talking of Um, which talking of which Stephen, your nearest and dearest now that your wife has uh, the reality is there what you were doing at four o'clock in the morning on your on your laptop what does she think now and the kids as well um, my kids are kind of i gotta say the one thing about my wife is she's always kept me grounded i'm one of those guys that i'm a ginger so i've got the temper i've got that kind of reactive so she's always been my my ground zero kind of thing she keeps me keeps me grounded so you know even when we joke around about oh you know we're gonna you know i'm gonna be i'm gonna be a big time author and all that she'll kind of bring me back down to reality and say, Listen, <laughs> just relax go yeah. write some books go for a bike ride go do whatever but like the reality is you know we're, this is where we are right now um she's been awesome we've been together since we were like 17 and 18 kind of thing. So, um, we've been together a long time and then, yeah. So, so she's, she's, she's been an amazing support. She was like, she's like, I guess you could say my number one fan and all that stuff. Like, yeah. but we've always been like that together. Um, 
even when I was fighting and stuff, she would always be at my fight. She'd, she'd be the one, you know, she'd be there to, you know, pick me up when I lost or, you know, be there to celebrate when I won. Um, when I used to race bicycles and stuff, same thing. She's always, she's always just been there. She, she doesn't want any of the glory, but she's always the one kind of holding yeah. me up behind and stuff and, and keeping me re- <laughs> keeping me real, I guess yeah. is the best way to put it, too. Um, and yeah. that's for the kids. They, they're in their 20s, and they think it's funny, right? Yeah. This isn't, like, that, that we went, for my wife and for the kids, like, it was those six or seven months after the concussion and stuff. It was different. I was a different person. Like, it just, it's amazing what the concussion will do to your personality, to your mm-hmm. confidence, to your just everything like it, things were things were different right like um it wasn't as much as i make it sound like getting a concussion is an easy way to become an author it's mm-hmm. believe me there was a lot of yeah, there yeah. was a lot of valleys too yeah. um and i would definitely if you know if there's any way of preventing a concussion do not get one like i'm at the point now where i've had i had a few before um part of the problem is too when you're when you're fighting and training it's not the big ones it's the little concussions that you get every night kind of just getting your head so rattled you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. and then when the big one came i was so dehydrated like you know i think i was i think that was a four-hour training session so i was pretty dehydrated too so there wasn't probably much fluid between my skull and my brain mm-hmm. um so i i bike a lot now like i'm i'm I've always been a big cyclist and stuff. Um, so I'm back into that hardcore. Um, I do like over 10,000 kilometers a year and stuff Whoa. like that. Yeah. Um, because I'm really, I'm one of those crazy people that it's, I, I have a very addictive personality and luckily I've never done drugs. I've never drank. I've never smoked. My addictions have always been fighting or cycling. Yeah. <laughs> Silly things like that. <laughs> yeah. Just the old Tim um, so yeah, so care. Like, yeah, right. Okay. Mm, yeah. Good so when I say I'm into cycling, I'm into cycling big time. So yeah. like last year, I just I completed a 220-kilometer ride in under seven hours. Stuff like that. Like I pushed myself big time. Um, so my biggest fear on my bike now is like my doctors told me like, you know, be very careful you know you fall off your bike protect your head kind of thing you always be wearing a helmet things like that because let's face it i got you know i got i got away i got away i was lucky that was that last big one and uh i've been told like let's not risk it again kind of thing so not that i'm gonna stop living my life or enjoying my life but like like do you do kind of think of that right um I've had a couple of accidents on the bike where I cracked my helmet and stuff, but I got a real good helmet that protects the head and, you know, things like that. But, um, yeah, so cycling is kind of my, it's funny. I can go, I'll go for a bike ride and all of a sudden ideas will stop popping into my head for, for yeah. storylines. I was going to ask you that. I mean, it must be, yeah, you, you, you've got to that stage now where you can mull things through yeah. your head as you're flying down the road down. Yeah, I got that. I got that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, good. and we've got some beautiful areas. Like we like, I got this one trail I love riding and it takes us from Niagara on the lake, right through Niagara Falls, right by the falls. You get the spray of the falls as you're biking past it. And then right down to Fort Erie. And that's a nice hundred kilometer loop kind of thing. Like Guelph, Southern Ontario has got some beautiful riding areas out in the farmland with the Mennonites and all that as well. So um, it's not hard on a nice Saturday morning, a sunny Saturday morning in the summer to jump on the bike and be gone for four or five hours kind of thing. Um, And like I said, I'll do, I'll do a lot of character development. I always carry a notepad or my phone or something with me. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yeah, you can, you know, yeah. cause it's weird because I find, and, and you hear this, you hear this like musicians and stuff talk about it too, that if you don't take the idea when it's given to you, it's gone. And like five minutes later, 
it's gone. You cannot think of what it was. It's crazy. It's happened to me a few times, and I've learned my lesson. It's like, fine, I will be prepared kind of thing. Um, It's a little mystic kind of thing, but it's strange where, like, you know, I'll get an idea, and if I don't write it down right away, five minutes later, ten minutes later, it's like, what was that? And there's just, there's nothing. There's nothing you can do to bring it back. And it's almost like, like the one, the one musician friend I have, he says, yeah, it happens to him too. And he says, it's like the universe, the universe gives you your opportunity. Here's a thought. Here's an idea to, to build on. If you don't take it, I'm moving it to somebody else kind of thing. And you've got that 10 minute window or five minute window to, to take advantage of it and write it down or it's gone. So what a concept and that, that I, I have heard that before as well a local musician here as well you know heard the same thing uh you're exactly right you're exactly right yeah it's it's weird yeah so the future um films oh i'd love that why not <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens yeah, here oh, who knows write a story you about know, the like, troubles like it'll la- it's liable to turn up on the bbc as a play no doubt about it yeah no doubt about yeah, that. Like, just to say where I was this time last year, thinking that I'd be like sitting here talking to you, published second book coming out in August, all that stuff. Who knows? I'm, I'm not closing the door to anything. It's one of those things where we'll see where it goes. Yeah. I, I'm not. Who knows? Because like I said, this time last year, I was sitting with this manuscript that I didn't really know what to do with or anything. And here we are. It's, it's a published book. It's in it's it's worldwide. You can buy it anywhere, you, you know, anywhere in the world. Um and the second one comes out in August, so anything's possible. Brilliant. Stephen, brilliant. Well, listen, can I wish you all the best for the future? And and maybe in August we'll maybe have another chat with you, uh, if that's possible, just when, when you launch the yeah, second one. Great. And maybe talk then about the third one as well. So just remind us how we can – remind us the title of the book and how, how we can get that then. So the title of the book is Family of Killers, Memoirs of an Assassin, and it is a fictional book. There's, it's not a nonfiction, it's fictional, because <laughs> I get asked that a lot, too. Is if You call it a Memoirs of an Assassin, it's like, no, it's fictional. There's, yeah. there's, there's not a lot of truth to it. Um, and it's available, like I say, the easiest place to get it is on Amazon. It's available on Kindle, it's available on you know as a paperback. Yeah. Stephen, listen, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. Chatting with Chris on FM 105 Down Community Radio. Your station, your voice. A big thank you to Stephen Briggs who joined me tonight all the way from Guelph in Ontario in Canada. You can join me again next week on the Chris Scott Show. Uh, Same time, same place, FM 105 Down Community Radio, here for your ears only. I'll be visiting the Hans Sloan Centre in Calais next week, uh, and I'll be speaking to uh, people involved with an amazing music project there. It's the Our Town Music Project. Got lots of write-ups in the local newspapers. uh, An an absolute fantastic project led by Neil Foster and Connell Montgomery, both Calais fellows. Uh, The amazing musical project, which is certainly boosting skills and confidence of talented young people will come to the airwaves next week and I'm joining them for a chat and a session with that group and it was an amazing evening I'm leaving you this one from Leonard Cohen it's hallelujah so until next week stay safe and stay tuned good night folks